We'll hear argument first this morning in case 08479, Safford Unified School District versus Redding. Mr. Wright. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. The search of Savannah Redding in this case was constitutional because Mr. Wilson had reason to suspect that she possessed contraband, which posed a health and safety risk. Therefore, searching any place where she might be reasonably hiding that contraband was constitutionally permissible. Any place, even though he had perhaps no reasonable suspicion to suspect that she was hiding the contraband in uh, her underwear? Your Honor, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, as long as he had reason to suspect, which we believe the evidence does show, he was entitled to search any place where the contraband might be reasonably hidden. Any place? I mean, prison inmates, for example, are subject to much more intrusive searches. Are you suggesting that would have been justified in this case? No, Your Honor. I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that where it might be reasonably hidden is based on an administrator's experience and certainly is proven out by the reported cases that we've cited in the reply on pages 8 and 9, which are that students often will uh, secret items in and under their clothing. Uh, that is not a an uncommon thing to happen, although these kinds of intrusive searches are rare. But, but I, I, I think you're, you're really caught in a, in a dilemma here. Uh, your answer suggests that you would not have allowed a, a cavity search in this case. That's correct, Your Honor. But people have been known to secrete uh, contraband in, in uh, bodily cavities. What is, the, what is the principle under which you would allow a strip search, but disallow a cavity search. The principle is, uh, Your Honor, is that the common experience with school children, as as school officials have a relation to school children, is such that they might hide things, and they do hide things in and under their clothing. Was there but was there know. prior experience in this particular school? Were there prior occasions on which students had been strip searched? and contraband found? Your Honor, I don't know, and that's not in the record, but I can tell you that that would not be the threshold requirement under this Court's prior rulings to justify the search. But you, I thought your answer to Justice Scalia was in that in the school's experience, children do hide contraband in their underwear, but not in their body cavities. Yes, Your Honor. To be more specific in the nationwide school experience, based on the reported cases that we see, which are contained in the reply, pages 8 and 9, we find that they hide them in and under clothing. But I don't know of any case of which I'm aware where there would be uh, items secreted in, in body cavities. And I, and I feel, Your Honor, that that is a, a bright-line area because that, that, is, that is something that the Court can clearly say is off-limits. Let, let me ask you about another bright line rule that I think you're assuming. You, you said in, in the course of, of uh, describing the justification for this search that one, uh, one of the points of justification was uh, that there was a health and safety risk. Uh, and I assume from the way you put it uh, that you are grouping uh, every drug, uh, prescription or, or over-the-counter, as posing a health and safety risk. Is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. Why, why should we accept that, that blanket assumption? I mean, it, it, at some point it gets silly. Uh, having, having an aspirin tablet does not present a, a health and safety risk, and yet that's an over-the-counter drug, and presumably you would have gone through the same search for, for, a, for an aspirin uh, that, that was conducted here. For the very same reasons this Court um, uh, noted in TLO 25 years ago, Your Honor, and that is that 
the school officials have deemed in their judgment that this is an important rule with regard to health and safety. Oh, and I, and so, I agree with you, and I, I, I don't have any question with, with kind of a, a uh, let's say, a, 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 uh, a broad swath of judicial hands-off in determining what is a risk and what isn't. But at some point, uh, it becomes sufficiently questionable that I do think we, we have to raise it. Uh, and if your rule would criminalize, well, I shouldn't say criminalize, would, uh, would, would put aspirin in the contraband category and justify the kind of search that went on here, I think we've reached the questionable point. And I, my question to you now is, why haven't we? Well, Your Honor, if, if, if a, an administrator in their judgment, in their reasonable judgment, believes that any, any drug um, poses a potential health and safety risk because they have the custodial and tutelary responsibilities for those kids. And it's not like a criminal issue where they're trying to prosecute. This is a case where they're trying to protect. Because they have those kinds of obligations to provide for the safety of children, to provide an orderly educational environment, it is best for this Court to defer to their judgment when they believe that certain rules are important and not second-guess those rules. Had it, so long been, had it been the case that, uh, that uh, as I recall, uh, someone had, uh, um, well, students were, were popping ibuprofen, weren't they? Yes, Your Honor. I guess they might pop aspirin as well. Uh, I'm not aware that uh, one gets a high on, on either one of those. Uh, somebody in the, in, in the school had gotten uh, almost fatally ill uh, uh, about a year before this incident. Isn't that right? Precisely on, on over-the-counter drugs. On a prescription medication. A that prescription, not, not over-the-counter. That a student brought to school and that a student ingested, another student ingested, and then was airlifted out in ICU in a near-fatal experience. But what just was, seven the, what days was the drug involved in that case? I don't know, Your Honor, and it's not in the record. But it certainly was not ibuprofen. Again, I, I, I don't know, Your Honor. You said what, it was what? a prescription drug. It was a prescription drug. And, and seven days before this uh, event, Your Honor, just seven days before, the student informant, Romero, had taken a prescription drug. Again, I don't know what the, the type of drug was, but he became violently ill, which caused he and his mother to come talk to the administrators. So we had those two recent Yes, events. but he, he was not the one who identified Redding. It was... Uh, uh, her classmate. Her friend, Marissa Glines. Yes, And on the, that classmate's say-so, was, was the classmate ever asked, well, when did you get this pill? Where did she give it to you? Um, where, the question where uh, did this pill come from was asked by the admin. I mean, what place? Which the child is caught with the pills. She blames it on her classmate. She says, she gave them to me. Did the school ever bother to ask when in time she gave them, where in location she gave them? No, but that's clear from the record, Your Honor. The reasons for that is Jordan Romero said to Mr. Wilson that morning, I just received this pill from Marissa Glines. The plan is that a group of kids are going to take these pills at noon. So it's contemporaneous. But it's contemporaneous with the, with the student who blamed the other child. I'm asking if there's any link other than one child caught with the pills blurts out that it was someone else. The tip from the young man had nothing to do with Renning. It had to do with Glines. 
But the tip from the young man goes to Glein's, and the young man's tip becomes reliable when Glein produces the fistful of pills that he said she would have. Maybe it becomes pills. reliable as to her, but it has nothing to do with Redding. But, Your Honor, then it ties in with the, with the uh, contraband, excuse me, the planner that was laid open before Mr. Wilson when he subsequently um, searches Savannah Redding, and, and she admits to him that that was her planner, but she denies any knowledge of the contents. So did Marissa Glein's. So did, 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 did the school know what what particular pills it was searching for? Did it did it know that that what what the threat was was ibuprofen or aspirin or 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 some prescription drug? Not comprehensively, Your Honor. What they knew was there was IBU 400s and an OTC pill that was later identified. But he also knew there's a variety of pills. What Mr. Wilson did not know. Did, how, how did he know it was an OTC pill? Uh, because Just by looking at it. Called poison control. Okay. And, and once that was assessed — What was that, you say? It, it was naproxen, 200 milligrams. Oh, and, and, Your Honor, what, that's, that's a good point, because what Mr. Wilson doesn't know is what other pills might be out there. He knows there's a variety of pills, but he doesn't know of what type. He doesn't know of what amount. Have you ever made this, or has your side of the case ever made the argument that it needs this sort of blanket classification rule, any drug, over-the-counter or prescription, because uh, when a, uh, a, a, a pill uh, is, is found, they're not pharmacists. They don't know what it is. Uh, and therefore, they've got to have a blanket rule or they simply cannot act effectively. I didn't see that argument in the briefs. Has that argument been raised at any point? Precisely, Your Honor. We have argued that our administrators are not pharmacologically trained. Where, where did you argue it? I mean, is, I want to know whether that argument is in the case. Is in the briefs? Is, is I, did, I don't remember it. Do you remember it? Do you have a page reference offhand? Um, I don't have one offhand, Your Honor. But, I, I, but you say it's in your brief? Fairly, okay. fairly certain it's in I'll the brief. Back. In the case, this case, the school nurse, the pills were given to the school nurse, and she identified what they were. Precisely. And it, she called poison control to figure that out, though, Your Mr. Honor. Mr. Wright, can I ask you this question? Um, there, there may be an issue here as to what the assistant principal could reasonably infer from the facts that were known by him, whether he could reasonably uh, infer facts that would create a reasonable suspicion that there were drugs hidden in uh, the plaintiff's undergarments. Is that a question for the, for the finder of fact in a case like this, so that it can't be — there can't be summary judgment for either side unless uh, no reasonable fact-finder could find uh, to the contrary? The problem with that is, Your Honor, it wouldn't comport with the, the notion that we need to shield administrators from lawsuits and legal liability. No, not on the question of qualified immunity, uh, on, on the issue of whether there is a Fourth Amendment violation. Whether or not that would be a factual determination? as to whether he could reasonably suspect that the pills would be there? Right. I think, I think um, it, it could lend itself to that, Your Honor, but I would prefer that the Court, we would ask the Court, and it's our position, that the Court would lay down a bright-line rule such that it wouldn't end up in a factual dispute. And that bright-line rule is this. Once you have reason to suspect a student is possessing any contraband that poses a health and safety risk, then searching any place where that contraband may reasonably be found is constitutional. And well, you have, wait, any, any contraband like 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 the the black marker pencil that that that, 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 that astounded me. That was contraband in that school, wasn't it? A black marker pencil. Well, for sniffing, 
Hmm? Oh, is that a permanent they, marker? Is they it, sniff them? Well, that's the — I mean, I'm a school lawyer. That's what kids do, unfortunately, Your Honor. But uh, — Really? But the point was, is that the rule <laughs> — the rule, Your Honor, is 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 grounded in the notion that when there's a health and safety risk, because these people are in, are charged and tasked with the responsibility to keep these kids safe, they have to have the opportunity uh, to act flexibly, immediately, and effectively when they're — But there has to be — I mean, some — the stark difference between this case and TLO, in addition to the intrusiveness of the search, was there was a teacher sent — I caught those girls that were smoking in the bathroom. Here we have nothing but this line identifying her classmate, and nothing is done to check her veracity. Nothing is done to, to follow up on it at all. And this, the search is quite different from the search of a purse that doesn't touch the child's person. Your Honor seems to be concerned about the reliability of the tip in this case. Your Honor, I would submit to you that student tips are the very thing that uh, officials rely on probably the most. But if an official and could follow up to see whether this child, whether there's any basis for what she said. But there were no questions asked at all. There was additional cooperating evidence, Your Honor. There was, there was suspicion by direct implication and there was suspicion by circumstantial cooperation. These two kids could, in Mr. Wilson's mind, he believed that they were working together to conceal other types of contraband. Well, the school could keep records on its students like the police keep records on confidential informants. So if, you know, unless this student had a proven record of having uh, accurately ratted out a certain number of classmates in the, in the past, uh, she couldn't be believed. Except that, Your Honor, there's a different incentive here. Students can be disciplined if they, if they tell tales. And so if she, if she tells a lie, she faces the, the, the risk of discipline. In addition to that, these, there was evidence that these kids were friends, and he had reason to rely on that. He had reason based on their association at the opening dance. He had reason to believe that because uh, uh, what Savannah had to receive. What discipline was the erroneous tipster uh, given? Oh, it, there was there was uh, there was no discipline that I know of in the record, Your Honor. It's not in the record, and I do not I know. know was, was she subject to a civil suit by the plaintiff in this case? Was the uh, person, Marissa Glines, the person right. who gave the tip? Yeah. No, Your Honor. Could, could I come back to your your distinguishing a, a, a strip search from a cavity search? What would you require before you would allow a cavity search? Nothing at all. A bright line rule, I wouldn't allow no, it on no school. No cavity search in we're school, no matter what. We're not even clinically trained to do that, Your Honor. I, I would submit that if a child has something stuffed up one of their cavities, and I assume we mean private parts, the very private parts, that the first thing to do would be to send them to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, we no just problem. don't have that clinical training. Your basis, for, your basis for saying that, I guess, is just sort of the practical one. We don't know how to do that sort of thing. So far as the legal principle is concerned, on the basis of which you justify this search, you could justify that search, too, couldn't you? On the legal basis, I could see that, Your Honor. I could see that result. But practically, but if, this court if, could if easily. We, if we hold in your favor in this case, 
and the next school district says, all right, we're going to have classes in body cavity searches, mm -hmm. uh, then there would be no legal basis if we accept your principle for saying that's out of bounds as a matter of the Fourth Amendment. Isn't that correct? I see your concern. That's to be left up to the local governments. Your Honor, as you have mentioned, this Court has mentioned an Ingram so it, right. So it, it would not be out of bounds under the Fourth Amendment? It, technically, but it will be controlled by the community. It would be controlled by the local board. The community would never Do, do you know whether or not in the Ninth Circuit in border uh, search cases a body cavity search can be conducted without a warrant. I thought a warrant was required under Ninth Circuit rule. I could ask the government. I just know that there has been a, a concern expressed over body cavity searches, even in the, in the prisoner environment and even in the border environment. I can say to this Court, you will not restrict or um, in any way inhibit the discretion of an administrator by saying you can't go there on a body cavity search, nor would they want to, nor are they clinically trained to. Can I ask, uh, uh, just to follow up on your answer to Justice Kennedy's earlier question about whether the informant was subject to civil suit, when you said no, did you mean she hadn't been sued or that she could not be sued? I'm sorry, Your Honor, that she had not been sued. Okay. And there's one aspect of this, considering the reasonableness of the school administrator's behavior, in addition to not following up with lines, after Redding was searched and nothing was found, she was put in a chair outside the vice principal's office for over two hours, What and her mother wasn't called. What was the reason for that humiliating putting her in that humiliating situation? Your Honor, that is not a matter of the record, but the inference is, is that, the, that the investigation was still ongoing because there was a group of kids, and at, at that time the administrator was making efforts to try to make sure that he had gathered all, of, all the drugs that might be on campus. And uh, in any event, um, that but, wouldn't — But how were they investigating her when they did nothing but put her in a chair outside the vice principal's office? Well, Your Honor, I, I can see where it might have been uh, more uh, reasonable in that sense to have let her go back to class, but it certainly uh, is not a, a standard that would affect the constitutionality. Well, I assume a school can assign a student to study hall. That's not considered a government seizure. Isn't that a, an obvious part of the, the parental supervision that a school exercises? That's exactly you know, sit here and stay there. That's exactly Schools right. Schools do that all the time, don't they? And yes, in fact, there was a Ninth Circuit decision on the docket at the time, the Smith uh, versus McLaughlin case, where the plaintiff argued the very thing that she was detained for hours, and the court recognized there. I believe it was in concurrence by Judge Kaczynski that uh, that that's entirely appropriate. That's where they are. When was the when was she detained there with in relation to the lunchtime? Uh, uh, period, which was when the other student had said that the, uh, all the kids were going to take these pills. I believe it went through the lunchtime period, Your Honor, uh, the detainment. In addition, Your Honor, um, I would like to point out also that trying to restrict any more the rule that I've laid out, as the United States government has suggested, uh, respectfully, would cause more problems. Aren't there things here that just a little extreme? I mean, if she's to be believed, then she was really naked, and uh, the school administrators deny that, but you have to take her side of the facts. 
So uh, uh, taking her side of the facts, why couldn't the school administrators just do what they said they did? That is, you'd leave her in her underwear, tell her, go shake her underwear. No reason to do any more than that. Or if she's really embarrassed about that, say, go put on a swimming suit, you know. Uh, shake the swimming suit. No problem. People see you on the beach uh, all the time. Uh, or uh, call your mother. I mean, you know, we can think of another uh, a number of things uh, that seem a lot less restrictive than her version of what went on here. May I offer two principles? First, this Court has recognized that the least intrusive means is not a threshold prerequisite to a constitutional I, I know, but I mean, here she's embarrassed. Yeah. If, if what she says happened, happened. There seems no reason for that, and it seems so easy. Put on your gym clothes, okay? I mean, she does that every day. Uh, wh wh why just such obvious alternatives uh, to having her be really naked? So, so that's what I, I don't see any uh, basis for saying to the school administrator, uh, you know, you could do that. You could well, you just turn her naked. I mean, she does embarrasses her. What's the need for it? In the record, Your Honor, she did, she did have her underpants on and her brassiere. No, but she says in the record that they went further and required her to be partly naked beyond just her underwear. They I suppose say you could say that about any strip search, couldn't you? I, I that uh, there, there's never a need for a strip search. You can always give the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, suspected uh, uh, felon, uh, you know, here, change into this suit. And, and we haven't adopted some such rule, have we? No, Your Honor. In fact, you've specifically said the fact that other reasonable alternatives are available doesn't mean that the alternative that was used or the actual search that was done was unreasonable. Okay, so that was my question. My question was, why wasn't it? I wasn't asking about the law. Okay. I was asking, why didn't they choose one of these alternatives? I'm sorry, Your Honor. I don't — I can't answer that question for Mr. Wilson, but I'm sure that in the heat of the moment, that that issue wasn't thought through. And, of course, he wasn't involved in the search because he's a male. Only the females were involved in the search. May I reserve the balance of my time, Your Honor? Thank you, Mr. Wright. Mr. O'Neill. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Intrusive body searches in the school context implicate fundamentally different expectations of privacy than other, other kinds of searches. For that reason, they re require greater justification under the Fourth Amendment. In the government's view, the best way to give effect to that greater showing is to adhere to the basic reasonable suspicion standard of TLO, but to elaborate on that standard in two ways. First, before you get started, do we have to reach the underlying merits, or can we just decide the qualified immunity issue? The government agrees with the parties and all amici in this case that this Court should address the substantive Fourth Amendment should, issue. Should, but must? This Court could decide the case on qualified immunity grounds alone. Well, what, one of the defendants doesn't have qualified immunity. That, that's exactly right, Justice Scalia. So don't we have to, for that defendant at least, decide the constitutional question? Well, this Court could remand on Monell grounds for a hearing on that, which was not addressed well, in the What would be, Mr. O'Neill, the basis for the Monell claim that would be against the school district? That's correct. What would the plaintiff have to show to establish a claim under Monell? The plaintiff would have to show that this uh, search was conducted pursuant to a, uh, an official policy or that the vice principal was a 
person who is acting with that authority. There are a number of grounds that, that the uh, plaintiff could establish the Monell claim uh, on the basis of, but in this case, the Ninth Circuit did not address that, uh, and therefore we believe that this Court should not review it in the first instance, but if the Court were inclined to remand on that ground to allow the Ninth Circuit to address it uh, before this Court reaches that. You, you criticized the Ninth Circuit uh, in your brief for having a sliding scale standard, which is a bad thing in your view, um, but it seems to me that your standard comes close to that. You call yours a differential level standard or something? No, uh, Justice Kennedy. Our standard is one of greater specificity in the information, not a standard that rises and falls depending on the level of intrusiveness. You, you have to, under your standard, have reason, uh, a reasonable suspicion specifically that, uh, that the student is hiding uh, the contraband in the student's underwear. That's correct, Justice Scalia. Now, if, if you have a reasonable suspicion that the student has drugs and you search every other place, you search in the student's pack, you search the student's outer garments, and you have a reasonable suspicion that the student has drugs, don't you have, after conducting all these other searches, a reasonable suspicion that she has drugs in her underpants? No, Justice Scalia, we believe I, that you don't. Right. Without, without Your logic fails me. Well, Justice you, you, you reasonably suspect the student has drugs. You've searched everywhere else. By God, the drugs must be in her underpants. Well, Justice Scalia, you posited that the teacher began the search with reasonable suspicion. And in that case, if you search the obvious places like a wallet, a pocket, a desk, a locker, and you didn't find it in those places, the logical conclusion would not be that it must be in the student's underwear, but perhaps of the information that you had. That why that why isn't it a like normal society? thing that, that children put like things in their underwear? That I mean, sound, sorry. That sounds to me like the sliding scale that you reject from the Ninth Circuit. No, because we believe that where you have reasonable suspicion that there is uh, contraband in the underwear, then you could go directly to that location. You wouldn't have to work from the outside in. But, Justice Scalia, take Oh, surely not. You're saying if you have reasonable suspicion that it's in the underwear, you shouldn't even bother searching the pack or the pockets. You should go straight to the underwear. That can't be right. Well, uh, to take TLO as an example, Justice Scalia, in that case, the court believed that there was reasonable suspicion that the student had cigarettes in her purse because that was the obvious place to find them. Now, if the, if the school uh, principal in that case had searched the purse, searched the student's pocket, searched the locker, searched the desk, I don't think this court would have said that there was reasonable suspicion to believe that the cigarettes were in. And what specifically do you think is missing here? They need, the school needed to have a direct statement from uh, Marissa Glines that uh, — that Redding had, the, had the, the pills in her undergarments. Is that correct? The particularized suspicion could come from information from students that reliably adverted to the location of the contraband. That's the fan of okay? has You have to have direct evidence that the, 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 it can't be based on inferences. No. Is that the distinction you're drawing? A location no. has to be supported by direct evidence. Somebody has to say that that's where it is. No, Justice Alito, we believe that if teachers were aware of a general practice and it was common knowledge that students did hide uh, contraband in this way, and that would be relevant to the totality of the circumstances in determining whether this student was following that practice. But we don't believe that 
the uh, examples that were provided in petitioner's reply brief establish anything like that practice. Petitioners cite eight cases over the course of approximately 30 years in which contraband was found in those locations. But you're, you're saying basically there, there is no general understanding that people carry ibuprofen uh, in, in, in their undergarments. That, that is true. There was no experience at this school. There was no reasonable reason to suspect that based on experience in the world. And, in fact, by the time the officials had conducted their, this search, they had searched Marissa, who was respondent's friend. And they had conducted a search of her pockets and her wallet, and they had found pills in her pockets and her wallet, but they had not found pills in her underwear. So even if that had been a suspicion that one might have had even before beginning the search, they certainly wouldn't have had that suspicion by the time. Uh, but if you're accepting your argument that there may be no reasonable suspicion based on Marissa saying this is the person who gave me the drugs, does the fact that she said the kids are going to the kids are going to take these drugs at lunchtime, a specific time. Does that present a difference in the level of concern that the school should have? Uh, we believe that schools may take seriously any information they receive and must take seriously any information they receive about the pre- presence of prescription pills on campus and the fact that <coughs> the teacher believed that they, these pills were going to be consumed at lunch as part of a, an event that obviously wasn't simply intended to get rid of the student's headaches, we believe that that would uh, give rise to a reasonable suspicion to initiate some search. But we believe that without some particularized suspicion or some specific indication that this location was a likely one to contain the drugs, that this search was excessively intrusive. And this is not a new standard. This is essentially the same standard this Court adopted in the Montoya de Hernandez case for intrusive body searches in other contexts. It's proved workable in that context, and we believe that it would prove uh, workable in he- here. We believe it is also better than the alternatives of a higher level of suspicion, which does not bear any necessary logical correlation to the likelihood that the well, student if, is- if Marissa Glines had said specifically that Savannah Redding has pills someplace on her person and she's going to distribute them at lunch in the cafeteria, would this be a different case? It may well, Justice Alito, in that circumstance, it would likely be the reasonable thing to do for the teacher. And what is the difference between that situation and this situation? The, the, difference are, the differences are slight. Wouldn't that at least be a question that has to be decided by the trier of fact? Uh, that may present a triable issue. Here Excuse we- me, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't satisfy the test you've just given us. I thought you said there had to be specific indication that she was carrying it in her undergarments. And and what uh, Justice Alito posed was not that, just specific indication that she had it on her person. Is that enough? You want to revise your your test so it's not just specific indication that it's in her undergarments, but specific indication that it's on her person. That's enough? No, Justice Scalia. We believe that there must be information beyond that. And I, I may have misspoke, and I think the answer to that question is that in that circumstance, a teacher would almost certainly ask, well, where on her person is it? And if the student doesn't know, then yes, Justice Scalia, that would not satisfy the standard that we uh, would urge this Court to adopt. I mean, the, 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 the student says she has, uh, she has crack someplace on her person, and she's going to distribute it to kids during the lunch hour. And so they search her, her garments, and they don't find it. And you're saying that they cannot then go ahead and search her undergarments. The nature of the, the contraband 
Well, the nature of the contraband could be relevant in the totality of the circumstances to the suspicion that the student has is hiding it in some illicit place. As Justice Souter, as you noted, certainly there is no practice anywhere that I'm aware of of hiding ibuprofen in underwear. But so there is a sliding scale for the dangerousness of what you're looking for. No, it simply means that it's relevant to whether, in the totality of the circumstances, that school official could have reasonably suspected that the student was hiding it. How is a school administrator supposed to know? Marissa says she gave me these pills. What are they? I don't know. And so how is this, if it depends whether it's uh, a dangerous drug like crack or a relatively, not harmless, but a different one like ibuprofen, the search depends on that. How is the school administrator supposed to know? My point was simply that with a drug like crack, there is a more common understanding that a drug like that can be hidden in a student's uh, in, in, in underwear. So what is the school administrator supposed to know when he sees a white pill and doesn't know if it's something terribly harmful, even deadly, or if it's prescription-strength ibuprofen? You say in the former case he can search undergarments, in the latter case he can't. So how is the administrator supposed to know what he's dealing with? Well, we believe that, as I said, school administrators have to take seriously all medication like this on campus. My point was simply that where a particular type of contraband uh, is known to be carried in a certain way, that can be relevant to the totality I'm of the sorry, your, your answer to me was they have to take it seriously. My question to you is what is the administrator supposed to do? He sees a white pill, nobody tell him what it is. Is he allowed at that point to search the undergarments or not? No. He is not. Even not. if it turns out to be, you know, I don't know, with some a very deadly drug. Mr. Chief Justice, we do not believe that this Court should get in the business of deciding that searches are okay for, for example, heroin, but not okay for cocaine. That's what you just told us we should do in answer to Justice Alito's question. No, I simply, the point was simply that if there is some common understanding that a type of contraband is generally secreted in a certain way, and the example was crack, and there is a a uh, known uh, understanding that crack can be hidden in that way, that that would be relevant to the totality of the circumstances. And I don't see why your answer might not be different if, under the Chief Justice's question, he didn't know it was ibuprofen. All he knew was that it was a white pill. He's not a pharmacologist. He doesn't know what's in it. Wouldn't the reasonableness of the — wouldn't the, the scope of reasonable search at least potentially be greater for the undifferentiated, undifferentiated white pill than for the known ibuprofen? It may, Justice Souter, um, but I think that the question would be whether the school official has some reason to believe, based on a practice, that, search, that pills, for example, are hidden in a student's uh, — can be hidden in a student's underwear. Again, the example was crack, and that is a situation where there is an understanding that that is, can be a place in which uh, suspects will hide that type of item. But, again, there was no indication in this case whatsoever and no basis for the school official to suspect that that was a li- likely location. Thank you, Counsel. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Mr. Wolf. 
Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, we agree with the Federal Government that before conducting an intrusive strip search, a school needs to have location-specific information. And while this case can begin and end with that well-accepted proposition, it's also important to recognize that a school needs a greater, de- a greater degree of suspicion to conduct a strip search than to conduct an ordinary backpack search. I don't think Here. the case can begin and end with that because we have the separate issue of qualified immunity. Can, can we take that off the table? I mean, we've got six to five in the Ninth Circuit uh, disagreement throughout in this case, and yet you say the rule is so clearly established that you can make these school officials personally liable. Your Honor, I don't think a head count of the judges is the standard by which this Court measures qualified immunity. That's what this Court, you know, held, for instance, in Grovey Ramirez. The que- but I do understand that it sort of gives one pause. It says, well, what did they miss here? Um, and what they missed here is that this search violated the clearly established point that in order to conduct an intrusive search of one's body, the searching official le- needs to at least reasonably believe that the object is located underneath the undergarments. The Fourth Amendment does not account, uh, does not countenance the rummaging on or around a 13-year-old girl's naked body without any suspicion. What if what Marissa has is heroin? The school administrator recognizes heroin. She said, this is what uh, the student gave me. Search the undergarments or not? The nature of the infraction, uh, no. The nature of the infraction, as TLO would put it, is a non-starter in this case, because we don't even have the suspicion to get underneath Savannah's undergarments, even if you had, you know, regardless of the substance. Now, in TLO, the question was whether there were drugs to be found. It was marijuana in that case. And this Court set a relatively low standard, that you need more than a hunch, and you need particularized suspicion. Now, that's where this Court set that balance for ordinary searches for drugs. I'm not quite sure where we are in your answer to the Chief Justice's question. He asked you a hypothetical case, and you said that's a non-starter because in this case, and the hypothetical is that there's a very dangerous meth that's going to be distributed and consumed that afternoon. Does that make a difference in the permissibility of the search and the reasonableness of the search and the scope of the search? No, it does not. It does not in this case because without a suspicion that you're going to find the object. So you don't mind our judging this case as if they were searching for meth? Your Honor. The way we should, we should judge this case as if they were searching. The, the fact that it was, is it ibuprofen, if I got that right? The, the, the fact that it was ibuprofen is irrelevant. We can consider this case as if it were meth. I, I think we all understand that this, that this case, you know, involves ibuprofen, but our argument — I don't think I understand that based on your answer. I'm, I'm asking you, — you said that the, the nature of the drug makes no difference. It's a non-starter. Not in this case, correct. In, in, it's insofar as the rule that we — that's because in this case you don't think there's a reasonable suspicion to begin with. But that doesn't answer the hypothetical. We're trying to announce a rule. And your rule, your submission, as I understand you and as I understood the government, is that the nature of the substance you're searching for is irrelevant. I think it's irrelevant when you're making distinctions between drugs. If if the question is whether you can strip search a child for gum, for instance, because that might prohibit school policy, I would submit that. That goes back to my earlier proposition, that you don't mind our deciding the case as if this were a search for meth that was going to be consumed that noon. That's correct, Your Honor. Thank you. Why? Because in this case, there was no suspicion, and I think Justice Alito was perhaps getting to this, there was no suspicion that these objects were going to be found inside Savannah's undergarments. And without that suspicion, you cannot conduct such an intrusive search. 
It just seems — Well, to play the devil's advocate on that, why couldn't the assistant principal reason as follows? Uh, he has information from uh, from Ms. Glines that Ms. Redding has drugs. He has information from another student that drugs are going to be consumed during the lunch hour. Putting those two together, he reaches the he, — he suspects that the person who has the drugs has the drugs on his or her person so that they can be distributed at lunch. And then having searched every other part of uh, — of, uh, uh, having searched Ms. Redding's outer garments, what's left are her undergarments. So therefore, there's a reasonable suspicion that the, the drugs are, are located there. Justice Alito. What's wrong with that? Justice Alito, I don't think that accurately describes the record. And even if it did, it wouldn't satisfy this Court's standard. Two things about the record. One, I think the hypothetical supposed that she has drugs. And in fact, the, the, what the record reveals is that it was allegedly Savannah provided these drugs at some point, not that she currently had them on her. Second, that they searched every other part. And it's an important, it's an important um, point in this case. Where did Marissa have her planner? It was in the desk. Did they search the desk here? No. We know that. Um, I, it's not in the record, as, as uh, Mr. Wright said, but they had lockers in this school. Did they search any locker? No. Can students keep drugs anywhere else on school grounds? Perhaps. Probably so. Did they search everywhere? They absolutely did not. But I want to get back to the legal answer, too, which is that this Court said in TLO, and it's on page 342 of TLO, that a search is reasonable only when there are reasonable grounds for believing that it will turn up evidence. There were no reasonable grounds for believing that this search would turn up evidence. None at all. You're saying the whole search, not just the search of the undergarments. You're saying uh, uh, they couldn't even have searched her, pa- her uh, backpack, right? I think they could have searched her backpack. And what that speaks Why? to is the low degree of suspicion and the nonspecific suspicion that's needed to conduct an ordinary So you want search. a sliding scale? That- it's not a sliding scale, Your Honor. This is a two-step framework, and that is it. We have ordinary searches, backpacks, pencil cases, book bags, that kind of thing. And then you have a search where you require a 13-year-old girl to take off her, take off her pants, take off her shirt, re- cha- move around her bra so she reveals her breasts, and the same thing with her underpants to reveal her pelvic area. I mean, I think there's a dispute in the record about that. So, so we'd have, I mean, you would have the right to prove your version, obviously. But suppose you fail to prove that. And that the jury, or judge, or whoever's deciding this, this fact, includes the school board's right on that. All they did was ask her to strip to her underwear, period. Nobody saw anything else. Now, what's your view of that? I mean, let's also imagine that uh, this is sufficient to, pr- to say what happened was Marissa uh, opens a planner, and in the planner there's some small knives, a cigarette lighter, and a cigarette. And who gave you the plan? Well, Savannah gave it to me. And they find some pills. Let's imagine those pills are cocaine or something like meth or something. And she says, well, where'd you get those? Savannah gave them to me. Okay, that seems to be possibly reasonable suspicion to think Savannah has some of these pills. And they're going to distribute them at lunchtime. At that point, they go, look, Whatever they did here, but then they bring Savannah into the nurse, and the nurse and the female uh, uh, official say, all right, Savannah, strip to your underclothes and shake your underclothes. That's what happens, period. 
now. Is that latter part a violation of the Fourth Amendment? It is, Your Honor. Because? It is because that is an intrusive traumatic search. And the All right, but it would be okay to say change into a swimming suit. Or your gym clothes. Hey, your gym clothes are in the locker. They're about the same size, shape. Go do that. Or it, it, it might be different if they asked Savannah to go into the other room and to change where you're not revealing your body to any government. No, they didn't. She didn't reveal her body beyond her underclothes. She went, that's the hypothetical. No, no. I'm trying to work out here because I'm not certain. Right. I, I'm trying to work out why is this a major thing to say strip down to your <laughs> underclothes, which children do when they change for gym. They, they do fairly frequently, not too, you know. And there are only two women there. Uh, is it, how bad is this? <laughs> Underclothes. Now that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. And I'm asking you because I don't know. Right. Mr. Wolf, one thing should be clarified. I don't think there's any dispute what was done in the case of both of these girls. It wasn't just that they were stripped to their underwear. They were asked to shake their bra out, to, uh, to shake, stretch the the top of their pants and shake that out. There's no dispute, factual dispute about that, is there? There is none at all. I thought there was, because I thought on page 135 of the record, the officials said they didn't see her naked. And so I thought that there no, was. There was no dispute that they asked her to shake her pants and her bra. Nobody said that they touched, the school officials didn't touch her. That's a given. But they did ask her to shake out her underwear. That's right, Justice Ginsburg. Uh, Everybody, my question. My question has to do with accepting yes. what they said on page 135 of the record, and this is a genuine problem I'm having. I'm trying to figure out if that's so, to repeat it. You heard what I said. There's no reason to repeat it. Okay. I want to know why that search, if that's what happened, would violate the Fourth Amendment, assuming reasonable suspicion to think she possessed meth or cocaine at that time. Yes. And it still would violate the Fourth Amendment, and the question is why. Because even that slightly less invasive search um, still implicates legitimate and serious implications of privacy. The National Association of Social Workers, for instance, filed an amicus brief in this case. And what they showed is that, or they cited studies showing, that when a st- child undergoes a strip search, and um, uh, Justice Breyer, your, your hypothetical involves a strip search, that that produces long-lasting and traumatic consequences for a 13-year-old child. Now, why does that matter? Because the Fourth Amendment requires a balancing. On one side, you have legitimate expectations of privacy, and on the other side, you have the governmental need in, to conduct that search. So, psychologists, strip search has a lot of meanings, and do the psychologists focus on the situation where the child involved, you know, this is an undue, my hypothetical. Do they, is that what they're talking about? I, I believe it is, Your, um, Justice Breyer, and I believe that we cite such a study in, in our brief, the red brief, uh, where we say that it doesn't require a student to take off his or her undergarment so long as the shirt and the pants are taken off, that that produces trauma. Let me, let me just uh, not so much change the facts but, but emphasize a couple of different aspects of the facts. Um, assuming Justice Breyer's hypothetical of a moment ago, and assuming the, th- the following thought process on the part of the principal, um, I, I, I strike that. I will vary the facts in one way. Let's assume 
following your categorical rule that the, the principal doesn't know whether it's ibuprofen or not. He just knows that there's a, there's a pill, and uh, one of the other kids said, uh, this person uh, has got pills on, on her person. The principal says, uh, I know as a matter of reliable fact uh, that one student got sick, violently sick, uh, within the past week or so on some pill. We don't know exactly what it was. Uh, uh, we also know uh, within a reasonable period of time from where we are now uh, that there have been kids who, who, who died from um, in, ingesting dangerous drugs. Uh, I've got suspicion that some drug is on this kid's person. Uh, my thought process is I would rather have the kid embarrassed by a strip search if we can't find anything short of that, then to have some other kids dead because the stuff is distributed at lunchtime and things go awry. Is that the basis, uh, is that thought process, that reasoning, the basis for a, a reasonable strip search? And to make sure I understand, it's, it's that there's, reasonable belief, there's a reasonable belief that a student has drugs on his or her person. That's right. Um, and by his or her person, presumably it could be the pockets or it could be in the backpack that he or she is holding. Somewhere between the surface of the clothes uh, and, and, uh, and, the, and the body. Right. And in that instance, it still would not be appropriate. There needs to be suspicion that the object is located underneath the clothing. And if that isn't there, then you can't search there. Now, no, but you, the, the, you say that the, the, the point of my question, this is what I'd like you to focus on. You're, you're entirely right. I, I, would, I, would, I would accept that argument, and I think that argument is entirely right, if the stakes are lower, if the risk of a mistake is going to be less traumatic. In the hypo that I gave you, the risk of the mistake may well be violent sickness or death. And the thought process in the principal's mind is, the reasonableness analysis in the principal's mind is, better embarrassment than violent sickness or death. What's wrong with that reasoning under the Fourth Amendment? Well, I mean, to start, that's not what TLO said. TLO said that there needs to be a reasonable I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. It's, I mean, we got a new case, and I'm saying to you, why isn't that a, a, a reasonable thought process within the concept of Fourth Amendment reasonableness? Sure. Because in order to conduct that intrusive search, it seems like in that case you would have to be doing guesswork, if you will, about where those pills are located. You've got reasonable suspicion that they are somewhere on the person. That's right. And presumably, if, if it doesn't show up in a pocket search, then you could do a strip search. And if you don't find it in a strip search, you could do a body cavity search. And if it's not in a body cavity search — And with search, those stakes in mind, why isn't it reasonable? In other words, yes. there, there, is, there is a sliding scale of risk which is inherent in my hypo. And why isn't that a sound basis for a, a, uh, a Fourth Amendment analysis? Because it, it all comes back to the balancing of the Fourth Amendment. And here, where you're conducting a traumatic search without a belief that you're going to find it underneath the undergarments, it's I, I don't have a belief. I simply have a reasonable suspicion. That's what I've got all along the way. And it seems to me when, 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 when you take the position that you, you were taking, you are saying better to have the risk of violent sickness or death 
than the risk of embarrassment. Isn't that what you're saying? No, it's, it's not what I'm saying, Your Honor. There are many things that, the, that this principle could have, or the assistant principle, could have done here that would have mitigated any risk and at the same time not caused the trauma, of, uh, the trauma associated with a strip search. Sit the child down. Some, yeah. some search is, is reasonable, I some, take it. Absolutely. All right. Now, the, we, we get to the point, as in high, prior hypos, in which it does not, they find nothing in the pockets. They find nothing in the pocketbook or, or other garments. Uh, the only thing that's left is a strip search. And that's where you draw the line. Why do you draw the line there on, on the risk analysis? Well, the, the hypothetical supposes they have searched everywhere. Um, and I suppose if you have, if you are certain that somebody p- possesses a drug and you have searched everywhere, perhaps you have generated location-specific information. I would readily agree to that. But in this case, they certainly did not search everywhere. Do you agree with Mr. O'Neill when he said if the drug had been cocaine and it's well known that cocaine is carried in underwear, that then, it, then this would not run afoul of the Fourth Amendment? He gave an example of a drug where there was a custom of carrying it in a certain way. Right. I think if it were readily known that this student had previously been suspected of, to use the term that's used in the Court of Appeal cases, crotching that drug, well, then perhaps that would have been appropriate. It has to be that student. It can't be that it's customary among students. And it may be that if this becomes so customary that that somehow differently calibrates the equation here. But it, it, it sort of strains credulity to think that you would have loose peel, pills concealed against the student's genitalia. Well, That's as, what they as, have to think was happening here. As, as I understand your, your presentation, you, you qualify as a strip search, any search that requires the outer garments to be taken off. So it didn't really matter whether they required her to shake out her, her bra or uh, — Stretch the elastic of her. It's, it certainly added to the trauma, ju- trauma justice. No, but, but, you, but it, it, it is a strip search yes. and uh, impermissible along the lines you say to require the student to even take off the outer garments. That, that's right. That's what the studies say, and that seems like a reasonable calibration to me. You know, anything well, just else to would combine it what, with your answers to Justice Kennedy. You're saying it's unreasonable to take out the outer garments, even if your suspicion, reasonable suspicion, for justifying the preliminary search is that the student has heroin. Without any location-specific information, that's correct. And anything else would send a shudder down the spines of little boys and girls around this country. Well, let, let me ask, ask you this about spine shuddering. <laughs> uh, let's go back to uh, Justice Souter's question. Uh, we assume that there's meth, something very dangerous, going to be smoked at noon. There's very strong suspicion of this student. Uh, the assistant principal said, I'm going to give you a choice. Uh, we're going to engage in an intrusive search, um, same-sex people and what, what, like what went on here. Or we're going to call uh, the local police department. Uh, we have probable cause for them to book you, and they will search you at the jailhouse. Which do you choose? Would the school administrators be violating their duty if they did that? If, if, if they called in the school, the, the police officers, they, no, they, no, they wouldn't I violate the They give the student the choice. Right. They said, we'll do it here with a nurse, right where you're here, where you know everybody, and there's nothing wrong, you can go. Or we're going to call the police. And they'll do it down at the police station. 
I, I don't think that would violate the Fourth Amendment, Justice Kennedy. What reasonable cause? Which, which would be the less traumatic of the two choices for the student? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure that there's a less or a more traumatic. Bo- both are fairly well, traumatic. Wouldn't the but police? You, you think it's less traumatic, to, or that might be less traumatic, to have uniformed police officers take the person to the police station and conduct the search there? You, uh, think that, well, you I want think us to decide the case on the fact that that's probably less traumatic for the student? I, I'm saying that both are remarkably traumatic. Well, the, the police uh, I'm not, would require I'm not putting them one above the other. The police would require probable cause, wouldn't they? Not just suspicion. They they would require. Well, probable the hypothetical cause was that there is probable cause. Well, and if there's probable cause and they want to call the police officers in, they can do that. But that's not what happened here. What this school official did was act on nothing more than a hunch. If that that Savannah was currently concealing ibuprofen pills underneath her underpants for others' oral consumption. I mean, there's a certain ick factor well, to the, this. You've made that point several times. In fact, the issue here covers the brassiere as well, which doesn't seem as outlandish as, as the underpants, right? Did you say the prisoner? Yes. Mr. Chief Justice. Well, yeah, in, in, in the prison context, the rules are different. They are. They are different because this court. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not articulating this. You keep focusing on the fact that it's unlikely that the pills would be concealed in her underpants. That doesn't go to the brazier at all. Well, it, the the brazier, I think, as well. I mean, there there was nothing in this record that even the principal or the assistant principal said. I suspected it was there. It's now, do you have any studies on this? But I mean. I hate to tell you, it just seems to me like a logical thing when an adolescent child has some pills or something, they know people looking for them, they'll stick them in their underwear. I'm not saying everyone would, but I mean somebody who thinks that that's a fairly uh, normal idea for uh, some adolescent with some illegal drugs to think of, I don't think he's totally out to lunch, is he? Well, Do you have any studies on this? I doubt it. No, but neither, neither do they. No, so what am I supposed to do? In my experience, when I was 8 or 10 or 12 years old, you know, we did take off our clothes once a day. We changed for gym. Right. Okay? And in my experience, too, people did sometimes stick things in my underwear. Well, not my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or whatever. All right. Justice yeah, Breyer, it's so hypothetical. <laughs> I was the one who did it. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think it's beyond human experience, not beyond human experience. Yeah, but the not beyond human experience. So what are they supposed to do? But the not beyond human experience standard is not the standard that governs whether the Fourth Amendment is violated. No, no, but it's supposed to be what's reasonable. Right. And a teacher is there thinking what's reasonable. And I've already got the thing uh, sort of away from, uh, I see your point. I'm not quite talking about that. I'm worried about what to write in this as a general standard. And so am I supposed to say, look, school, school officials who think that children could hide things in their underwear when they know they're uh, not supposed to have them, that that school official is really unreasonable, except in a special case. That's what's bothering me. Well, it, it, it is unreasonable. And at the end of the day, it has to be unreasonable to think that, for a school official to think that this student was hiding, this honor student was hiding pills underneath her undergarments based on nothing in the record that supports that. Not a single thing. What did this school official know? That there was an accusation that Savannah had provided pills at an unknown time and in an unknown location, that Savannah's backpack search yielded nothing, not only pills but no suspicion that she possessed pills underneath her undergarments. Do you think that's a pure question of law, or is that a a question that goes to the trier of fact, whether you could infer reasonable suspicion about the presence of pills in those locations? That seems like a factual question to me, Justice Alito. 
I mean, there's nothing in the record to, to indicate um, otherwise, and we haven't moved for summary judgment here, but all inferences are resolved in our favor when petitioners have moved Is for probable cause a, a, a jury question, too? Whether something rises to the a level probable of probable cause, cause in the ordinary uh, criminal uh, investigation case, is that a jury question? You know, it strikes me as a factual question, Your Honor, that may or may not. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, in a 1983 action, wouldn't it be a jury question? I think in this case it certainly is a jury question. Without anything else in the record, that that, that, that is a reasonable inference. And without it being self-evident, and I would actually argue that it would self-evident that those pills were not located there and that that's not a reasonable inference. But if there is some doubt about that, and I was hearing some doubt from Justice Breyer and perhaps other members of this Court, well, that strikes me as a factual question. And if that's a factual question to be resolved by a jury, there must be a principle behind that, which is that if it is not a reasonable inference that those objects were located there, then it would be an unreasonable search. And if that's true, then qualified immunity, at least at this stage, was properly denied. I don't think it's a jury question, even 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 in a 1983 action, I don't think the courts allow a jury to decide whether there was uh, a probable cause for, for an officer's uh, uh, search or seizure. I, that, that's new to me. Well, whether something was in reasonable inference or not, it might strike one as a reasonable inference and another did the is not Ninth a Circuit, Did the Ninth Circuit treat this as a jury question? I'm looking at page 38A. They were quite definite that there was a Fourth Amendment violation. Right. Because for the Ninth Circuit, this, that it was, it was self-evident to the Ninth Circuit that the, that there was not a reasonable inference. And without that reasonable inference, there was no reason to treat it as a jury question. But if there were a reasonable inference, then it strikes me as something that might be, that might be better suited for determination by the jury. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wright, you have three minutes remaining. Thank you, Your Honor. The reality is that we've gotten past the reasonable at its inception prong, and we're now on the scope. And I think everyone concedes that. And as to the scope, I can tell you that if they found uncut heroin or small caliber bullets in this case, they would have to reach the same result. And that is unacceptable in the school setting. There's too much at risk here when you're talking about a custodial and tutelary responsibility that this Court has time and again recognized as the most important element in upholding the three uh, search cases, student search cases that this Court has upheld. The other thing about the government's uh, proposal is, is really troubling. It's because they do not justify why they would uh, pass a, a rule that would so much stunt the administrator's discretion to respond in even the most serious situations that confront um, the health and safety of kids. These, these, these principles are principles that have been restated by this Court. You need the flexibility to act immediately and effectively to keep kids safe. Unless the people feel differently. It, that's I'm right. Sure some school districts have rules against Absolutely. simply forbidding strip searches on any, right? There's an amicus brief that cites 189 school districts which have substantially limited strip searches, which proves the Ingram v. Wright theory which is that it will be taken care of at the local level, but administrators for now need a bright-line rule. And as to the scope, that bright-line rule is if you have reason to suspect that a student is possessing contraband that poses a health and safety risk, then searching any place where that contraband may be reasonably hidden is constitutionally permissible. And in any event, Mr. Wilson, in this case, certainly could have believed that the Constitution permitted it. 
uh, Mr. Chief Justice. And, and so immunity is a foregone conclusion, in my opinion. But I would ask the Court to rule on the constitutional question in the affirmative because it would uh, further the interests of judicial economy. There would not be any more federal action in this case. Yes, there would. The Monell claim against the school district. But, but there is no qualified immunity. That's correct, Your Honor. But if you ruled in the affirmative on the constitutional oh, question, yes. that case is over. The additional uh, issue, Justice Alito, on the factual question is, I understand you're not talking about immunity, but the reality is we've got to be able to make decisions. And if we get sued on factual questions because somebody questions whether or not it's reasonable for us to search where contraband may be reasonably located, then we're going to end up in court anyway on those factual questions, which is going to, uh, you know, deter officials from acting immediately and effectively in those situations. So I do not think it is a factual question. And the district court and the first uh, three-panel judge court uh, did hold as a matter of law that this search was constitutional. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, counsel. The case is submitted.